Welcome to this week's episode. In this one, I have a conversation with my friend Mike Dempsey. I wanted to talk to Mike because I respect his perspective on life and his decision to pursue a non-traditional career as a videographer and visual storyteller. It's a hard-won career that not everybody succeeds at. He's well aware of this, which is why he got a degree in computer science, so that he could work remotely. The computer science degree has allowed him to work on web development and digital marketing projects from anywhere in the world, while he pursues his real passion of documenting people and places. He's traveled to Kenya, Peru, and Colombia for work, and Costa Rica, Thailand, Vietnam, Indonesia, and Jamaica for himself, interviewing people for his own personal projects along the way. Okay, Crude Company Men shout-out time. These are the people who have subscribed to the Crude Patreon for $50 or more. Trina Duber, Seward Brewing Company, David North, Crystal Liska, Derek Adolph, Blue and Gold Board Shop, Sharon Liska, and Scott Liska. Thank you to everyone for your support. This podcast wouldn't be possible without you. Subscribing to the Crude Patreon is what keeps this podcast going. It helps me pay for equipment, software, and allows me to keep a part-time job so that I'm able to produce a new podcast every week. And you can subscribe at patreon.com slash crude magazine. That's patreon.com slash crude magazine. And pick the subscription tier that works for you. Okay, back to Mike Dempsey. I believe Mike's choice to document life is a symptom of him wanting to understand it better, to understand what makes people act the way they do. He's always been able to find the tragedy and the humor in humanity in equal measure, laughing about the absurdity of it one second and then lamenting it the next. Well, probably humor more than the other one. But I do know he believes that a fulfilling life is not about how much money you make or the materials you're able to furnish your life with, It's about the people you meet and the experiences you have. So here he is, Mike Dempsey. Mike is hot. Mike's hot? Mike's hot. Is it recording? It's recording. That's what that means, dude. Crude conversations. Listen more than you talk. Go to work! Check, check, check. Is, Is there a snare? Uh, n- yeah. <laughs> you got it? <laughs> okay, Mike Dempsey. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try to make this like Cheery. kind of informal. Okay. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I think that's going to be the only way. <laughs> Welcome to the show, dude. Thank you. So it's a beautiful day out there. Oh, boy. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> it's going so, well so far. <laughs> so, Mike, you're a funny guy. Oh, thanks. Do you have a go-to joke? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Ready for it? <laughs> Hold on. Buckle up. Yeah, I'm ready now. All right, a skeleton walks into a bar. He says, I'll have a beer and a mop. <laughs> because the beer just goes straight through him. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, okay. Yeah, I like that one because it's just so disappointing. And the more, <laughs> but you're saying it like like you're about to tell them something that's gonna blow their mind. And so do you just, throw them for a loop by laughing yourself? Just the over delivery of in a mop, <laughs> and then just what like oh that's a bummer. What's the worst reaction you've gotten from that? 
just general disappointment almost every time, I think. Are we able to edit this? Or? <laughs> no, this is all going in, dude. Really? <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Yeah, it's all going in, dude. Okay, so I'm, uh, I'm excited about this conversation because I think it's going to be different from others I've done in that I want to look at how you've chased your dream of being a videographer or telling stories through video. When did you realize that that's what you wanted to do? Um, probably in seventh grade, I think, during, they had a video production at Golden View, and the teacher actually didn't let me in for the first year, because he didn't, uh, didn't like me that much, and then with enough lobbying, I was able to get in there, and started making videos, and then they had the, uh, video production, or video awards at the end of the year, and they had... Like the whole like gymnasium was filled up and they put on the big screen everybody's like three minute long movies. And I just thought that was pretty awesome. And that's when I pretty much knew that that's what I wanted to do. And then, yeah, I just did it. Always, always did video projects during school for like, you know, you could either make a diorama or write something or make like a movie. So I would always pick a movie. And yeah, since then, I just, I don't know. That's always what I wanted to do. Do you remember the first movie that you made? Oh, man. I think me and Peter Whitehead used to just <laughs> film snow skating all the time and then film like little stupid pranks around our neighborhood. Like we made a lemonade stand specifically to prank my little sister and <laughs> made just like three regular lemonades and then one with like all of the stuff from the fridge, like mustard, everything. And then filmed uh, filmed her getting the lemonade and boy, was she disappointed as well. <laughs> so we would do stupid shit like that. Are we allowed to, should I not cuss? No, no, let the expletives fly. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Um, and we would just film snow skating, film jumping on the trampoline, just a bunch of random stuff. And then in the video awards, we made like a snow skating film uh, that won the thing. And just a, and pretty much any silly idea was just what we would do for fun is make a, a video. So a prank. That was your first video. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. So I feel like... <laughs> you, you noticing a pattern? <laughs> with the pranks? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like... You've done your fair share of pranks in your life. Yeah, without a doubt. Do you have any top pranks that you've done? Uh, like recently, like last week, I had a pretty good one <laughs> before the wedding. Calling uh, John Stallone because Ryan said that he was going to be cooking for the wedding. And this is just somebody you know, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I've got a history of pranking Johnny. And I knew that I had a new number and he probably didn't have mine. And he was cooking for the wedding. So I called him as a dean from Alaska Seafood. I got 13 pounds of clams for the wedding this weekend that are about to go bad. And he's like, oh, man, like, I didn't even hear about the clam. Like, oh, no. Like, wh when are they going to go bad? I was like, oh, probably like Saturday afternoon, which is like exactly when the wedding's going on. <laughs> he's like, oh, this isn't good. Like, I got oh, to call, call you back. 
And then just texted Ryan. I was like, yeah, he's good. Johnny's probably going to be hitting you up about 13 pounds of rotten clams here pretty soon. And got him. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, you know, I remember a while back, I'm not sure, I'm hoping you can tell the story, but a while back you were telling me uh, a story about your dad and a prank that he did while he was in surgery. Mm, prank during surgery? Not to the person, but somebody called. Oh, that wasn't really a prank, but yeah, I think I, like the uh, the president called. <laughs> <laughs> well, your dad was in surgery, right? Yeah, because I think it was somebody who was doing surgery on, and the president had called like to just like say, hey, you know, I'd like to just wish you good luck on this, and he's an important guy, something like that. And my dad just says, yeah, tell him I'll call him back. <laughs> to the president. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, there's this story of uh, of Don Rickles and, you know, the, the famous like sure. roaster guy. And he was in a restaurant with his wife and uh, saw Frank Sinatra come in. And he um, he walked to the bathroom past Frank Sinatra, stops, and he's like, hey, you know, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but my wife is the biggest fan. So... If when you leave, you can stop by our table and be like, oh, hey, Don, it's been a long time. Like, good to see you. Mm -hmm. And Frank Sinatra, being, I guess, the courteous, nice guy that he is, was like, yeah, sure, bud. Like, I'll do that. And so as Frank Sinatra's leaving, passes Don Rickles and his wife and was like, oh, hey, Don. He's like, it's really nice to see you. Don Rickles looks up at him and says... Frank, I'm here with my wife. <laughs> like, can you give us some privacy? <laughs> yeah. Dude, that guy was the master of all of that stuff. Like, I think it was in Dirty Work when he's like talking to the guy. He's like, why don't you go move to the mountains somewhere? Don't bother anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to your, I'm looking here at my notes. So getting back to your, uh, your journey, your journey of videography, storytelling. So what, has that journey or path, what does it look like from then to where you are now? Um, I don't know. I guess it was like I had to go like sort of a longer way around it. I would have liked to go to just film school or something, but that wasn't in the cards at the time. So I went to school for computer science and always saw that as like a good like degree, obviously, for this time but also a quick way to be able to afford the gear to actually do what I wanted to do. And then it's also like offers you mobility because you can do it from anywhere and that sort of, so it took longer to kind of get to be able to doing it all the time. But that's sort of, that was probably a big part of the journey is doing something that I didn't necessarily want to do on the way to being able to do what I do want to do kind of motivation to get out of that it just was a like financial necessity to do it um yeah i mean at the time it was sort of frustrating because it's like you're studying something that's very abstract and you know just computer code while still knowing that you want to make videos so but it turned out to be the the right choice i think long term but at the time like in college it was you know like I would like make videos on my GoPro just to keep the the dream alive pretty much but mm -hmm. so that was 
big part of it, I guess. And then got uh, my camera uh, after graduating and then worked um, in the computer field for like four years. And during that time was just making videos and practicing like just on pretty much any project that I could. I could just sort of had an open invite on whatever somebody's filming all help whether that was like concerts or just random like like filming the air show just like a bunch of random stuff and that was sort of what kept it going and then when um at a certain point i felt like i had all of the gear that i needed and had some money saved up and then went uh traveling and just filming kind of around the world that was sort of how it started and then that sort of led into an opportunity to film um, like for a nonprofit company that was trying to make a project from all over the world, like, cause they have areas that they work in. And I was pretty much doing that, you know, same type of thing for just my own like desire to do it. And had already, like I was like, had all my bags pretty much designed and ready to do exactly that. So that's sort of, led me to doing that and that's sort of what I'm still working on now is just kind of travel based stuff for nonprofit companies. I've talked to you a few times like periodically when you're at these places and I remember one place you were at I I asked you how it's going and kind of what projects you're working on and I remember you saying I asked like how the people were. I'm like, "Oh, you know how the people there." And you're like, "Yeah, they're they're great. Uh, they have different wants and needs than we do. These people are just looking for water, you know. Mm-hmm. So have you have you had the opportunity to experience, um, I guess, different cultures and different areas where obviously they have less, and you look back on the U.S. that has so much stuff in excess, and you're just like, holy crap, like, yeah. I mean, there's pretty much everywhere it seems like the that I've gone, people are all, like, pretty nice. And, like, a lot of people have very little and still are, like, cheery and have a positive attitude and care about their family and all of that. Like, some of that's, like, from a religious background. Like, a lot of Southeast Asia has, you know, um, sort of Buddhist, like, belief system and structure that kind of leads people towards simplicity a little bit more um yeah everywhere that i've gone people are you know my mom always says like when she asks how's it going or whatever i always she says like i always say that the people are great (laughs) she's like you say that everywhere yeah it's like well that is the that was my experience though like and some people have like so little like in africa there's some areas like where they're literally like pouring water in heat and just smiling and waving like the entire time and that was like the first place that i've like we were up in like this really like remote um village and that was the first time i was in a place where i was like looking at the guy that was sitting there on his like family's property it's like man you could like really like get a card that is just like like what are you gonna do with like there's barren land you mean just be born into a situation like that? Yeah. Yeah. And like that was the first time where I was like, 
like that is a pretty rough go of it. And it's just like, what are you going to like, what is your, what is the extent of your dream in that situation? Like to improve your water supply to like, you know, maybe have more successful crops, but it's like, they're not like, don't have a chance towards education. Or, so it's like, I don't know. That was the first area where I was like, saw somebody with just like such a rough hand and then they're still like smiling and jolly and like willing to do whatever for you. Like, I don't know. I think like in Kenya, they saw that in Southeast Asia, that's all over the place. Like just people are just kind with not a ton of material things for sure. But mm -hmm. I don't know. I think then you can compare that to sort of, what we can get into in America where we have like the opposite problem where we just have so much opportunity and like everybody just gets to dwell on their dreams pretty much. And like, you know, ideally be good to each other as well, but that's not always the case. Yeah. But. You know, I've always known you to be a, a very like contemplative person. And so when you're in these, these places or you're in different situations, whether it's in, uh, a foreign country or whether it's in the United States, you're kind of like absorbing this information and then also regurgitating it or using it in, in kind of a more constructive way. Word. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that was uh, supposed to lead to a question. <laughs> so do you no, sorry, have... I was just contemplating that. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, was, I was trying to absorb that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just absorbing do you have any stories or details that stick out in your mind from your projects or your trips? There was one situation in, uh, when I was in Vietnam, there was, <laughs> uh, this dude and he's like an old guy. I'm sitting there having breakfast and this guy's over there and he's like clearly an American. And so he starts talking and he starts going on about how he was a Vietnam vet and Vietnam was a pretty interesting place as, to go as an American. Like, there's obviously some history there. Yeah. And so seeing, like, a guy who was a military vet uh, from, like, back in Vietnam, I thought was pretty interesting in itself. So we started talking. Then he starts telling me this whole story about, like, this guy. Like, he was basically volunteering with, um, like, fixing, like, basically giving water, like, setting up rural communities with water. Like, just, like, basic filtration. And, um, so he starts telling me about this guy that set it up. Like he's like, Mr. Dat, the guy's name was, and he starts talking about Mr. Dat, like he's the, like a, the saint of the community or whatever. And, um, so he's going on about this water filtration program and I'm sitting there thinking like, well, this is a pretty cool, like story. Oh, old Vietnam vet is back in, you know, Vietnam and he's helping the community. And so he had this statement where he's like, what I've found in doing this is that when you like basically set up just like the initial steps for people um, in like how to get the water filtration that they kind of take it over. And then so you can like make an impact and change into an area by just like helping the local people see like these would be the steps to continue to do this. And so they could, um, you know, continue to do it on their own. So I thought, well, like this is an awesome like that's an awesome sentiment and it's from an interesting perspective. I asked him if I could interview him. So we go and uh, interview him. And so then we meet up the next day 
and uh, he's like basically like I'm heading out and he's like giving me like what sounds like his attempt at like you know some sage wisdom for my life as I'm going forward or whatever and he starts going and he starts like ranting you know he's he's go he's on a roll and he's just like keeps going keeps going like nonstop about like and it starts like taking a dive where it's just like a lot of anti-american like sentiment and then he keeps like mentioning the jews um more than you know you're like okay that like three different times that he's brought up jews in this like supposedly like moving speech about like, yeah like he didn't know his audience yeah <laughs> and then he just keeps going keeps going and it just like i'm just sitting there at a certain point like wow this is like getting crazier and crazier and then it just ends with like they are a living devil talking about jewish people and i was like i hadn't talked for like maybe like seven to ten minutes of this guy like going but i'm like clearly like like okay this guy's really he's losing me like losing me losing me and then it's like then I was just like speechless, just sitting there. And he's like, clearly like reads that, you know, I'm not on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's just like, so what do you think? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I think I'm going to stick towards the lighter things in life and just got my check and like left. And so I'd recorded it and I was initially intending like this will be like something like moving or like a, a cool story of like hope and change or whatever. And then, like, it's completely juxtaposed with, like, how crazy the dude is. So, like, then I've just got, like, this footage where it's, like, kind of showing the guy in a good light. But then I'm the person who, like, sat at breakfast and heard, like, that. So, it's like, what do you what do you do with that now? It's like, yeah. oh, what a moving story. It's like, but also, asterisk, <laughs> this guy is a wild anti-Semite. <laughs> so, what do you do in that situation? Uh, I just sat on the footage and never <laughs> did anything. Yeah, yeah. And like, was this footage for yourself? Yeah, I was just traveling through and looking for kind of interesting things to film. Just sort of filming pretty much landscape like and just look, looking for anything worth telling basically. But that uh that just tripped me out. I feel like on one hand you're doing something so good and then you absolutely go completely out the window. Yeah. And it's just like, I just was like, I left there. I was like, what, what, what do you do with that? Dude, like, interviews I found are so, uh, they're such a unique thing, especially in like a setting like this, because um, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the headphones, you know, like that puts you kind of like in that realm. Or maybe it's the attention being paid to the guest. I don't know what it is, but more often than not, I have found that people are extremely truthful, that they're willing to just kind of lay it all out there. Have you encountered that a lot? Yeah. I mean, I think that's also like sort of a skill set in itself of like making people comfortable in interviews. Like, I think that's uh, undervalued, like and a huge part of like getting something that's worthwhile, like when you are talking to people in the beginning you sort of have to warm them up and like make them feel like they're not you know like it's not going to be every word of it has to be perfect like if and people have such different views on like what they think a like an interview is going to be like they see a camera and then they they maybe think of tv 
Mm-hmm. Like, like, oh, I don't want to do that. Or like, but in the beginning, you have to like kind of warm them up and like get to a point where, like, hey, like, we're gonna make you look good here. That's the intent. Like, we're not. You just have to like, I don't know. I just always ask them like silly questions in the beginning to like get them like, hey, you know, we're not, we're not uh, doing anything far too serious here. And then well, when people are like aware of it, at a certain point, they just like when they become like too aware of what they're putting on basically like and then you you'll just be like filming it and just be like okay that's can't use that can't use that can't use that like uh, let's go back to uh, like being authentic here so i don't know what kind of questions do you ask to get them warmed up depends on the (laughs) (laughs) depends on the setting but like warm me up Warm me, warm me up. <laughs> uh, like, what kind of, what's your favorite color? What kind of, you know, music do you like? Tell me about your kids. Tell me about your dog. Tell me about, there's just things where they're like, kind of like, oh, okay. And they're like, shoulders drop. And they're like, oh, okay, we're just having a talk here. And then you're like, leading in with the question that you're actually trying to get the response to. Mm-hmm. Whether that's asking about, you know, people sharding or... Because <laughs> you did do a video about sharding. Yeah. Yep. And these were all real stories, real short stories. Yeah. Do you remember your favorite short story? Uh, Mike Calderola's was the one that made me want to make it in the first place just because that story was so funny. But so it's sort of like surrounded on that with other stories in between. But. I'm pretty sure I know which story you're talking about, and I wonder if we should just immortalize it right now. <laughs> Do you remember the story? Oh, man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Caldo. So I think it was, he was working. <laughs> I can't. All right, well, yeah, let's immortalize it. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be thrilled. So he was like working at Alieska Resort and he had to go all day. And then he gets in a car accident and turning an arm and still has to go. He has to do like paperwork with the cops and everything for like two hours or so more. And so he's had to go the whole time. And then Ryan comes and picks him up. Our other friend, Ryan. Yeah. And then he like gets in the car is like dude like i have to go so bad like drive 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 and then at a certain point at a certain point in the car ride can't take it anymore and just like he's like dude pull over pull over pull over pull over he's like i can't pull over like like pull over pull over dude pull over and then it's just like i'm shitting <laughs> Didn't he, the story that I heard was that he grabbed the handle in yeah, front of yeah, the passenger yeah. side and like yanked himself up. Yeah. He's like, like in a squatting position. <laughs> but then like they eventually pull over and he like decides to ditch his um, jeans and just go with his snow pants. And then like months later, or maybe it was like almost a year later, I forget what the detail was, but. Uh, like, I think it was a cop, like, comes to his house, and they'd found his ID. Somebody had been, like, volunteering cleaning up on the highway and had found his 
pants that he'd left, and he'd left his wallet in the pants, and some good Samaritan <laughs> went rifling through the pockets of that tragedy, and then had the good, you know, good heart enough to <laughs> return the wallet, and yeah. That's a good story. <laughs> always made me laugh. Michael love it. Yeah, he'll be shout out to Mike. Yeah, shout out to Calvo. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay, let's let's get serious again. Okay. <laughs> so <sighs> I remember in college we'd call each other up and have these super long existential conversations about what we wanted to do with our lives and the kind of work we thought was important. Do you feel like you've reached that? Like you're doing something important, the work that you're doing now? Um, depending on the project. I mean, I like the things I like to do, like on one hand, like working with the nonprofits is pretty cool that it gets to, you know, you're not doing something that you're hopefully make doing something that is like, you know, helps the company and that in turn helps the people like in these places. Cause you know, in some of those situations, it's pretty undeniable when you get there and you see like the impact that they they've had on like a community that's in such a remote place that it like it's pretty undeniable um so I, I like that aspect of like working on things to highlight them and hopefully that leads to something more positive but on the other side of things too i like working on projects that are just like purely for fun and I wouldn't call any of that important by any means. <laughs> like the short video. Yeah, I wouldn't call that uh, important. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it is. Who knows? Yeah, maybe it's the most important. Yeah. No, it's not. No, I don't think it is. <laughs> I don't think so either. You know, in one of those conversations, this is something that I actually think about pretty often. I remember you telling me something George Carlin once said. It was something to the effect of, if you want something to be a job, then you need to treat it like a job. You remember that? Uh-huh. And George Carlin, he used to wake up early, get dressed for work, and go to an office he rented and then write jokes. So he treated becoming a comedian like a job, which yeah. is something that is completely self-starter. You know, you don't go to school to become a comedian. First of all, it's also a Cypress Hill. I think that's the intro to one of the Cypress Hill songs. Like, that's a fun job, but it's still a job. Yeah. I, I think about that all of the time. Like, and I think in a lot of like the filming stuff, especially going to travel to places like it's, it's a fun job, but it's still a job. <laughs> like mm -hmm. you'll be like, especially on like some of those shoots, it's like a 15, 16 hour day. Sometimes where it's like bouncing around in a land cruiser for five and a half hours. And that part isn't the aspect that gets a picture taken of it most of the time. Like, and they're long days and you're having to think of so much stuff because you're, is like, is the person comfortable in the interview? Is the camera rolling? Like all of the things that are going through your head just to make sure that it goes well. That is like by the end of those days is pretty pretty long and then you're like recharging batteries and like backing up everything when that's over so you know you'll go like seven days of pretty much like three or four hours of sleep 
in a row or by the end of that you're pretty like worn out but I, I mean that without a doubt is a crazy experience and super fun but in that aspect it is quite job-like but I don't feel like it is a job when I'm doing it I'm just doing something that I think is awesome and the chance to do it is like not in no way worth like complaining about it's exciting the whole time mm -hmm. but in terms of the George Carlin um, work ethic sort of thing I guess is that your question I think it's just like always like picking projects that are challenging and like learning learning things like even when you don't have something specific going on like there's so much stuff that you can get better at that um, you aren't necessarily going to see a benefit of immediately but like whether that's color grading or like audio editing all of that stuff so I think it's just always doing like keeping some project going where you've just got like progress is being made even though it doesn't seem like it all of the time mm -hmm. I I think I I think about that quote often enough and I have a few other quotes that I, I think about but that's like among the top ones and I think it's because it's it's the sentiment of motivation you know when you're in a creative field or you know pursuing a career in the arts it's very solitary and you have to find motivation or reinforcement of your thoughts and ideas through like books or through i don't know a documentary about another artist or or something like that yeah. um if if there's somebody out there that's like trying to pursue something that they've always wanted to pursue what advice maybe would you give them i mean in the art game or like whether it's music or videos or something that doesn't have like a, a clear path like becoming a lawyer or like any trade there's a path where if i do this and i go to this school then i will be this like and then I can get my first opportunity and by five years and 10 years, I'll be at this place. So that like, that's kind of like a, a trajectory that you can like rely on. Whereas I think video and music and anything like artistic by the nature of it, there is no real path like that you can like rely on. So it takes kind of like a lot of resolve on just continuing in that direction sort of blindly for, until it seems to start making sense. So that's like, I was actually just talking about this yesterday with a friend. Like, if you look back at like every stage of your life, like you think you've got it all figured out when you're 18, right? Like, oh yeah, I got it. Mm -hmm. I got it. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, I think I got it all figured out. <laughs> and then like, you look back at 21, even at yourself at 18, you're like, that guy didn't know it. He didn't have it. Yeah, but like, but then, but I'm pretty sure I got it now. Like at 21, like, and you can look back, like every section of your life, with enough like years of distance, you can look at it and be like, oh, well, I I didn't know what I was doing then. Like I didn't have it all figured out. Like you're learning, ideally anyway. Like you're you're making like a lot of progress and changes where you've got it more figured out than you did, and like you can see that in so many people. Like to whatever their like trade is, like they even adults like that they'll think that they've got it all figured out maybe they do but oftentimes you can see it's like 
doesn't seem like you do. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think like we were talking and I was just like, it seems like you just have to roll under the, under the assumption that you don't know what you're doing because you look back on every section of your past and you didn't have it all figured out. So what's, why would that be different five years in the future? So you, your current situation right now, you probably don't got it all figured out right now. So it's like knowing that, like, I think you just have to like point into the direction, like you get to choose like, okay, I'm going to be wrong, but I would like to be wrong in this direction. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think with the video thing or music, it's like you're, you're going into that, like knowing that you're going to be wrong and you'll figure it out along the way. But at least when you get to each of those stages, like you're making progress in the thing that you want to be better at. So that's what, like, you can look at that in like every aspect of the video, like from when I first started the camera and like learning everything along the way. You're just like making a movie that you think, like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And you finish it and it's like, that was pretty awesome. If it didn't like, if what doesn't, like the result uh, didn't like change anything too much, but you learned a whole bunch each time. So I, yeah, I don't know. That's what, that's that. <laughs> Do you think you appreciate the journey? The band? Yeah, the band. <laughs> don't stop believing. <laughs> uh, yes, I think so. Do you think, think that you appreciate it more now than you ever have? Yeah, I think now we're all kind of get at the age where we have a, enough like uh, years of like looking back at what you were doing where you can like see the value of experience and stuff. And I think it's more exciting now to, you know, be in a position where in my case, I'm doing what I would like to do. And then having like five more years of doing it, who, you know, who knows what that will look like. 10 years, who knows what that will look like. But I'm stoked that it's the thing that, like, that the direction of not knowing what is going to be is the direction that I'd be happy, you know, with whatever that may take. Because in the video stuff, like, there's so much randomness. It's like every everything can be filmed. So there's all these opportunities, like whether it's music or, you know, for a company where you get yourself in these situations that are you couldn't plan for, like, but you have to be, like ready to like take on whatever random like gig comes comes up Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of part of the excitement of it is like i don't know what the gig will be but so far it's taken me to some pretty like remarkable crazy spots in the world that i would have never thought and there's always these moments where like there's certain times i feel like when you have like something is going on and like you'll have a moment where you have to like zoom out at like what in the world is going on right like how did i get here right now Mm -hmm. and like traveling i think does that uh in a lot of ways but it's not something that will be like you could be in a place for a month and never have one of those moments where you're like actually like wow like take this in like this is crazy but those are i think i think the moments that are like worth uh pursuing and like some of the ones like in film and stuff it's like how am i able to do this right now like why am i in the back of this truck Mm -hmm. rolling like through the mountainside or whatever you're doing like and i think that's like the coolest part of the travel game do you ever have imposter syndrome like dude i'm totally faked my way into this uh yeah i think that's 
I think that's a big part of trying to get better at anything is that that's a pretty common feeling is like, but I think that's a good sign most of the time. Cause you're like, my dad used to say like people, like smart people are always like focused on what they don't know. Like, instead of being like, Oh yeah, I got it. Mm-hmm. I got this all. It's like, you're like, Oh, actually there's like an entire section of this that I don't know anything about. And it's like that, that's always like a sense of imposter syndrome. I feel like, cause you're just like dwelling on the thing that you don't have all mapped out and there's plenty of people that are just like especially in the photography game i feel like there's a lot of people who are not uh focused at all on how difficult it actually could be like with there's so many things going on where it's like you're just like yeah i got it do you <laughs> <laughs> and you see this with photographers photographers just i mean that's just an example but i think you could say that about anything just overconfidence yeah blind overconfidence why do you think it is important for you to periodically come back to alaska oh man everywhere that i've been in the world there's no group that is quite like alaskan people and that's for better or worse at times like but we are like a very unique group and it's hard to even like put your i don't even know how like why or how you know, we've talked about that quite a bit of like what makes us different, but we certainly are. And the only group of people that I've like felt like are pretty darn similar is like the Kiwis, like like New Zealanders, they are seem to be kind of similar and that's probably geographical and, but. Cause they're isolated. And just like the, the geography over there is like, you know, kind of similar. They like to do the same type of things like camping, hiking. But, uh, like, why do I come back? We have so many great people up here. And there's, like, friendships that are, like, just, there's just such funny people up here. And they are our people. Like, I don't know, it's part, like, it's, like, truly family. Like, a lot of the friend group that we've had. Mm -hmm. It's, like, how long, how are you going to find somebody that you've known for, you know, 27 years? You're going to find them at where you're from like it's like it's pretty like grounding or like something coming back and like being with all of the group and like this place is pretty like authentic i feel like and all the people here are gonna shoot you straight on whatever like whatever they think about a situation it's a pretty honest group of people up here (laughs) like they'll they'll tell you no i don't know like there's an authenticity of people here, like, and everybody's doing their, whether it's fishing or hiking, whatever their trade is, like, I don't know. This isn't even answering your question at all. I'm just rambling. <laughs> Rambling's good, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be rambling. So when you take a step back and look at all the skills you've accumulated over the years, what do you think? Do you think this is absurd or, okay, what do I need to learn next? Definitely the latter. What do I need to learn next? I mean, there's always something better that you can compare to. I don't know if I'm the best measure of appreciating, like, I'm always kind of focused um, on what is next or what I'm, so I definitely don't uh, dwell on what the current state is too much, I guess. That's probably not always a good thing. 
So we've been talking a lot about work, and I think of this question pretty often. Um, I think I'm much better now than I ever have been about this, but do you ever feel like you spend so much time pursuing this thing, this this career path that you've chosen, that you end up neglecting family and friends? Um, do you feel that way as a as my friend. <laughs> yeah, no, but like seriously, dude. Seriously, dude. Uh, <laughs> Are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> I feel like you're neglecting me. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, do I think that that? Uh, I don't know. I, I think I, I like the best thing about the video stuff is a lot of times you can involve your friends and that, and your friend group is largely like people who like doing that stuff too. So you're not like a like. That's sort of what brings it, working on some silly project with 10 people with the same silly idea. That's sort of like, at this point, I feel like a lot of my friends are in the creative realm anyway, so it's like where we kind of connect in the first place is stuff like that. As for family, I don't know, I think it doesn't seem to interrupt that. Okay. How that's, about you? That's solid. <laughs> I think that... Yeah, I think that it did in the beginning when it was just the magazine, Crude. Mm -hmm. um, I probably spent too much time on it focusing on, you know, focusing on like global issues, like, you know, the whole magazine, you know, getting caught up on, I need to produce a whole magazine rather than, all right, this week I need to make sure that this article is finished or at least this article has been started by this person. Right. You know, and then I can wait for a draft. So small goals rather than, you know, the final product. Yeah. And then, you know, you learn from there. And, you know, your wants and desires change and evolve and turn into different things. Like you were talking about earlier, it's it's interesting to look back on where you were at a certain time and think about like your mindset in that moment, you know, like maybe I didn't think I had it all figured out, but at least I was like, I have this thing figured out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then even looking back on, I don't know, say issue one of crude being like, maybe I would have done a few things differently, but at the same time, I'm, I'm still pretty stoked on it. Yeah. And you're learning like what you even need to do in the first place. Like those are, and I think like overcoming all of like the resistance of that stuff, like in getting to the point where you are doing it in the first place and then completing it just like that, that everything involved in that you've learned so much. That's mm -hmm. like, and I'm sure like each magazine that you look like as you went along, like the amount that you learn each time is probably pretty overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and then now even with each podcast, you know, with each interview, it is, I've said it before where I think that one of the, really cool byproducts of having these like official conversations every week is that it helps me out in my normal day conversations right. because I'm more thoughtful about the things that I say and I I'm present in the conversation rather than like passive and let, letting things like just you know go in one ear and out the other right so there's there's things that you definitely learn along the way yeah so I kind of saved this one for last. Is it the, the last one? No, it's not the last question yet. Uh, no, no, that, that's coming though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buckle up, bud. <laughs> yeah. 
What do you think about millennials as a generation? Uh, you, you knew it. <laughs> You've been looking forward to that one, I'm sure. Just laughing as I wrote it this morning. Yeah. <laughs> They're great. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Uh, boy. You know, how about, so how, <laughs> how much do you think the stereotypes of millennials are representative of that generation, of our generation? You know, the people uh, too focused on Instagram and Twitter followers. And then, you know, you have the trust fund wanderlusters who's, who are out there just living La Vida Loca. <laughs> <laughs> to quote uh, John Lennon. <laughs> Uh, I guess on the millennial, like, I mean, there's definitely an entire group of people that are like, that don't seem to like, I, I get the both sides of like the older generation of like, like there are, are definitely people that aren't maybe trying as hard as they could or whatever, but, but it, but always like, what I don't understand is like on the, the people who would complain about millennials is the older generation but like they also don't assume any responsibility for being involved in the millennials themselves like you were the parents mm -hmm. like that's that's what always blows my mind about it it's like don't you you're like looking at it as if you didn't have any participation in like it's like raising a dog or something or like leaving it in a kennel for the entire time and then you're like oh why is the dog barking <laughs> why is he so angry? Yeah, why is that dog so angry? <laughs> like, I don't, that part always is like, I don't know. I guess I just don't understand, like, the the lack of responsibility in the, in all of the complaining. Like, well, you were there as well. Like, that was your, that was your kid. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, one thing I think that, I don't even know if I find it frustrating. I find it, uh... I just don't associate myself with it. You know, some of these negative things that are said about millennials, because if a certain demographic, an older demographic says some disparaging things about millennials, like, oh, they're lazy and they're this and they're that. Like, I honestly can't identify with any of that stuff. Like, I'm not a lazy person. Yeah. That's also, I don't know, like what, I guess, like, what is the definition of that at this point? Like, because it's taken, it's pretty much any complaint that, that you have, you just chalk it up to millennial, it seems like. Like the actual like definition doesn't seem to be what it's held up to. Like laziness is a complaint, but it's like like you said, like I don't consider myself lazy. Like, and there's so many people that are not lazy; they just work different. Like, I just don't even know what it means really. Any like, it just seems to be like an easy like label to put on people. But are we millennial? Like, is it is it just based on like when you, exposure to the internet? Supposed to do the I, entire world of information. That might change you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's it. Guilty. I think it starts at 1981 um, and ends, uh, I'm going to guess, 2000, 2000 or 2005, something like that. Okay. So not kids right now. I don't think like so. 12 year olds, 13 year olds. That's not. Yeah. They're not considered. Millennials anymore? I, I'm not 100%, but... Me neither. Yeah. Typical millennial. 
Typical millennials <laughs> don't even know your own generation. <laughs> if we could only define what we are, then we'd at least start solving some of these problems. Well, we got lazy. We got lazy. Yeah. <laughs> some wanderlust, perhaps. You know, so um, I'm hoping you'll accept. <laughs> but there's a guitar right there. Oh, man. And we've... Or you've alluded to your music. Um, I haven't asked any questions about your music. So I thought maybe we'd just bless the world with your music. Which, uh, which, which kind? <laughs> what, what's one of your favorite to play? Uh, depends on what you're trying to do, I guess. Okay. okay. I'm not trying to do anything. I am no, trying. You, I mean, like, when you're playing, like, when you're playing it, like. It's... Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Okay. Let's say we were at uh, Vans. Di- millennials. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> so you're in front of a bunch of millennials. Yeah. At Vans Dive Bar. Godless heathens. Uh, yeah. Um... Maybe don't even tell me. Just grab the guitar and start tearing it up. All right. Um, I saw this thing on the way in here and thought was wondering about that. <laughs> Whether that was gonna come up. <clears throat> I think she poops like a ninja is pretty. You're comfortable singing that <laughs> in here <laughs> in close quarters with me. <laughs> well, yeah. In this. Discomfort is sort of the name of the game. (laughs) All right, so here he is, Mike Dempsey, with She Poops Like a Ninja. If she poops, it doesn't smell Yeah, this lady that I'm hugging and kissing Keeps sneaking off on these secret missions And I guess the reason for my suspicion Is that toilet paper's going missing Yeah, I swear she can hold it for five days but I say why wait cause if I had it my way I'd build a gigantic ceramic hammock lay on my back and relax in my crap shack (laughs) uh yeah she poops (laughs) (laughs) 
But you don't need to leak the secret. I know how you feel. There's a few things about me that I keep concealed. And if we're going to be real, well, here's the deal. When I whack it, I attack it like a Navy SEAL. When I whack it, I attack it like a Navy SEAL. When I whack it, I attack it like a Navy SEAL. When I whack it, I attack it like a Navy SEAL. See, they pop off a lot of shots, but do not get caught a lot. Here's a caveat. When my body's hot, I start thinking naughty thoughts. Then I pop into a wad of socks. Am I going to stop? Probably not. So you may poop like a ninja, but remember, you're not the only pretender with a hidden agenda. Right, Mike. This has been awesome. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for being on the show, dude. Yeah, thank you. For more information about how you can support local grassroots journalism, go to www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. Crude Conversations is written, hosted, and produced by me. Cody Liska for Crude Magazine. Music was produced by Alcoda Beats.